Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. Our Sunday live stream starts at 10 a.m. at cascadevineyard.org stream or on Facebook at Cascade Vineyard Church. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So as, as previously mentioned, today is Father's Day. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I just, I'll say for me, being a dad is one of the greatest joys of my life. I love it. And I am so uh, just honored by the dads that we have here. But with that, Donna is actually going to bless and pray for our dads today. And I think that microphone over there, honey, is probably the easiest one to use. Yeah. There it is. So Thank you. 
Thanks, honey. That was nice. So happy Father's Day. And also, I wanted to just take a moment and acknowledge um, this weekend. Yesterday was Juneteenth. Anybody aware of that? Um, Which, interesting, a day that commemorates the end of slavery in the United States. 
So I didn't know the history about this. I looked it up. So in 1863, most of us know, Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation legally ending slavery in the United States, but some folks didn't get the memo. And so it was actually two years later on June 19th of 1865 when the last people in this country that were still being held captive were finally released. And so that date has been celebrated as Juneteenth for quite some time, for many years. But this past week, President Biden declared that an official national holiday, which I thought was wonderful. So, yeah, I want to acknowledge that today, too. You can clap for that. That's a good deal. Um, and then I also wanted to just real... Okay, enough. That's too many claps. <laughs> uh, hey, I also wanted to just... Daphne mentioned baptism. I wanted to just uh, uh, mention that again real quick. In just a few weeks, we're going to have a baptism. Uh, it, it'll be... It's in a... We, we found a swimming pool nearby here. So it's, it's not far away. It'll be at 1 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon... We wanted to give everybody enough time after service to run out and grab a sandwich or get something for lunch and then, and then come together for the baptism. So two things. One is, if you have never been baptized or if you were baptized maybe as a young child and, and it was not meaningful or don't rem, you don't remember it or it didn't, uh, it wasn't maybe necessarily something that you were fully a decision of yours versus your parents or whatever, uh, anything like that, you know, I, I would encourage you to consider being baptized again. And if you have questions about that, come and see me. We'll talk to you. I know we have at least a couple of people uh, that are going to be baptized that day. And on that note, too, I wanted to mention to parents, um, I think we're going to baptize some kids that day as well. And, you know, Scripture talks about age of accountability and all that. And I don't know what that is, but I, I typically leave that up to families to make that determination on their own. And whenever they feel ready, uh, they can, they can uh, make that determination. We're happy to baptize. And I also want to mention that uh, we don't have an official rule here as far as who can baptize. It's not just uh, the pastors or the really spiritual people like me. But if you have a person that has been a mentor, elder, spiritual father, mother, somebody like that in your life that you would like to baptize you, that, that's perfectly okay. We've done that before. So all that to say, baptism coming up, it's an exciting day, exciting time for us. I love baptisms. Such an important day in our, our Christian life. Uh, so, you know, if you'd like to be baptized that day, let me know. Come and see me or talk to me. And we'll, uh, we'll make sure that that happens for you. So this morning, uh, we're going, we, we have been in the book of Ephesians. I'm not going to do a Father's Day message this morning. We, we talked about it and prayed about it, fathers, but prayed for fathers. I'm going to continue our series in Ephesians. Uh, we've been going verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. Rather than, you know, kind of, you can cherry pick topics, uh, talk about prayer or the gifts of the Spirit, or really fun and exciting things. Uh, that's one way to approach Scripture. But when you go verse by verse through a book, um, you, you get a more, I believe, a much more complete perspective on what the author, in this case Paul, was trying to communicate to his audience. Um, you also inevitably cover passages that might otherwise not be covered or that you might, you know, 
skip over in a topical sort of series. Uh, today is kind of one of those occasions. I was thinking about it this morning. Um, this, today's passage, when I first announced we were going to do Ephesians, a lot of people responded, woohoo, yay. Uh, they love Ephesians. A lot of people love Ephesians. Probably today's passage isn't on anybody's uh, favorites list. I don't think it's anybody's, uh, I don't think there's anybody's life verse uh, will be covered today. Maybe if it is, that's good for you. Um, uh, so, so this is not one of those feel good kind of passages of scripture. If you recall last week, if you were here or there, um, we talked about walking in the way of love. And that's really been our uh, theme throughout this, this series at Ephesians, walking in the way of love, kind of, and it was about imitating God, how to live life out uh, in the presence of God and as he uh, dictates for us and, and encourages us to walk. T- today, this, this particular sep- section is uh, somewhat in contrast to that. Uh, it's sort of how not to live. Um, so uh, here's the thing. In, in talking about walking uh, and living in love, I think we all realize that that is not pre-programmed. That does not come natural to us. When, for us to live our life in love and to walk our life out in love is a choice. And for, for realistically speaking, it's a choice we make every day. Um, and I would say this, not only is it a choice, but it's sacrificial. It's a, it's a choice to put others before myself. What we see today um, is somewhat different than that. It is also a choice. It is a choice to, to not be loving. Uh, however, the opposite is true in that it's not sacrificial at all. In fact, uh, what it is is self-serving. Uh, self-focused. So our title this morning, again, our our series is Living a Life of Love, and our title is A Life Lacking Love. Uh, Let's pray, and then we're going to look at just a few versions, Ephesians 5, beginning of verse 3. But first, Lord, I just uh, ask you to open our hearts to receive your word today, as we always do, and that I pray that your word would strengthen and enrich our lives as we understand what it means uh, to live in you and, and to make sacrifices that we might not otherwise be willing to make or want to make in living our lives according uh, to the plan and purpose and will that you've outlined for us in your word. In your name we pray, amen. All right, Ephesians verse 5, I mean, chapter 5, verse 3. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient." Therefore, do not be partners with them. So the 
picture that uh, Paul paints here is one of a life that is not submitted to Christ, uh, not lived in the imitation of God at all. It's a, it's a fairly strong exhortation uh, to, to not live as is described here. And he gives us some warning signs. These are sort of markers along the way. You know, you, in, in life, specifically in driving, there, there are signs, and some signs, you know, are go this way, turn here, whatever, but there's also warning signs, don't go this way. We all hate to see those signs. Detour, I hate that sign. Um, so these are warning signs. They're really markers on, on things to avoid in the course of life. He begins here with sexual immorality, and, uh, you know, sexual exploitation uh, has become an overwhelming and somewhat astronomical issue um, in culture today. And in, in, in our lifetimes, in many of you, you know, your full lifetime, but uh, obviously the advent of the internet and other forms of technology have just uh, caused that issue to explode in ways that were previously you know, not even possible. Um, that said, as much as technology has caused sexual exploitation to be a huge issue today, it's nothing new, all right? Uh, it transcends both history and culture. And if you uh, really look in Scripture, you see that the first counts accounts of sexual exploitation show up in the book of Genesis. So as early, uh, frankly, as there were people, uh, there were those people that chose to take advantage of other people. Um, we understand, and as, as people of faith, as Christians, uh, I hope we understand, know that sexual intimacy is one of God's greatest gifts. And uh, it, it is a precious, precious expression of love as it's exercised in its proper context. And Scripture makes it very clear, abundantly clear, that God designed and created sexual expression for marriage. And that's one of those issues that is so clear in Scripture that there's no debate about it. There, there's, there's no theological premise by which you could say, well, what about this or that? It, it just isn't there. It's so astronomically clear in Scripture that God designed sexual intimacy for marriage. Now, that said, some folks may not understand that. They may not agree with that, and they certainly may not like that. But um, evidence bears out. The, the reality is when you, when you look at history and culture, the amount of baggage, the amount of pain, and the amount of brokenness caused by sexual intimacy as carried on outside of marriage is overwhelming. I, I can't even in my lifetime, just my 40, I've been in ministry 40 years, but this is just me, one person, the amount of brokenness I've seen in the lives of people uh, because of sexual exploitation is heartbreaking. And again, I think, okay, if that's my life, uh, you know, you just multiply that out and, it, and it's huge. Uh, the amount of damage done is overwhelming. 
The, the Greek word uh, sexual immorality is porneia, and of course it's from that word that we get our, our English word pornography. Pornography is a multi-billion dollar industry that's built entirely 100% on the objectification and dehumanization of God's creation. But you can't say that five times real fast. Objectification and dehumanization of God's creation. Sexual intimacy as designed by God is relational, it's intimate, and it is sacrificial. As it is outside of design by God, it is non-relational, impersonal, and self-serving. And I would say is one of the primary distortions of God's purpose and plan and everything that God intended in our life and culture today. Um, Paul says that there should not be even a hint of that. None, not even a hint. Um, And he adds to that there should be no kind of impurity. The word for impurity is akatharsia. And what that means, uh, he's, he's really not pulling any punches here, is thinking immorally. Um, you know, we talked about the renewal of our mind and how godly thinking begins in our heart and in our mind before, before we can act in service or love towards another person. We think about doing that. Well, the same is true here. Before there's any outward expression of immorality in, in, our, in our lives, it begins with, with a thought process. And, and I would say, quite frankly, the battle very often is won and lost right here. Long before we act out immorally, and, and maybe some of you have even experienced this, you might wrestle with immoral thoughts, lustful thoughts, whereby you, you may even, as a, as a believer or follower of Jesus, know right from wrong. And so there's this sort of battle that takes place in the realm of your mind where you're, you're, you're fighting against those thoughts that the enemy inundates you with. Um, so those things begin there as well. And that's another sort of topic, I think, that w- we could do another whole message on how and we should probably maybe sometime here uh, just just thinking and, and how to process thinking and how to win battles in our mind before uh, we play they get played out in the course of our life. And he continues, and if you would uh, hit the next slide for me there, Naomi, or of greed. And so here's the thing on this. Greed is essentially lust for things. Okay, it's lust for things. Literally, the word means desire for advantage. I want to take advantage of you. And so that's, that's what greed is. It, it also is very self-focused. It's I, me, me, mine. Greed is what I want, what I get. <coughs> Always focused on what I get and never on giving. And here's the thing about greed. Greed is a black hole that can never be filled. I I remember, uh, I think I've shared about this before. I remember a few years ago watching a movie called All the Money in the World. Anybody see that? It's, It's the life story of J. Paul Getty, who is the world's first billionaire. 
And um, interesting, I mean, I'm not recommending the movie. It's a really good movie, but it's incredibly tragic. So if you want a feel-good movie, don't watch it. It's very sad. Uh, but Getty is the world's first billionaire, and his grandson, it's a true story, was kidnapped and held for ransom. And so these guys thought, hey, we'll take this kid. This guy's a billionaire. You know, he'll pay a ransom. So they, they asked for, I don't remember, millions of dollars. Of course, if you're a billionaire, what's a few million, right? But Getty says, no, I'm not going to pay the ransom. And there's the family, not him, but other people hired a private investigator to look into it. And I'll never forget this one scene where the private investigator is talking to J. Paul Getty. And, he, and Getty says, I'm not paying the ransom. I don't have enough money to pay that ransom. And the guy says, what would it take for you to feel secure? And the richest man in the world says, more. It's the, 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 the essence of greed. I need more. We talked about giving the devil a foothold, and that applies here. And I would say this, when you begin to allow the enemy to position us towards greed, realize you'll never be satisfied. You'll end up like J. Paul Getty. A couple things I'm just going to say in contrast to that. One is learning to give sacrificially. This is not a message on tithing, but I would say this, learning to give and learning to give sacrificially is one of the key ways to develop selflessness, otherliness, and break down things like greed in your own life. I will never forget when Donna and I were first married and we had four little kids, life was hard, I, 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 uh, I was, when we got married, I was a gardener. I had a, a landscaping business and, and it was fun. I enjoyed it. I loved it and did fairly well with it. And then right about the time our first daughter was born, uh, I was asked to go on staff at the church we were at. And so I made that transition, which we prayed about it and believed it was God. It was a great thing to do. Obviously, it was the right thing to do. However, the pay was uh, significantly less. So at a young age, when we were just having a family, my income took a hit by literally 50%. God have mercy on my soul. Um, all that to say this, that we were trying to make ends meet and we weren't giving. And we were approached by one of our elders who said, hey, we, we really believe you guys, you, you know, need to learn to give and you should be doing that. And, they, and they, they were very kind and gracious towards us, but had this little talk. And so we started to give sacrificially. And I want to say that God has blessed us every day since. And the more that we have given, the more we've learned that God just multiplies and blesses that back to us again and again and again. So there's that. The other thing I would say to you in regards to greed is this, that I, I believe, I, I, you guys know me, my heart for cross-cultural missions, but I believe that every Christian in America should go on a cross-cultural ministry trip, missions trip at some point in your life 
to an impoverished uh, developing country. And the reason is this, that you gain a perspective for life that you absolutely cannot gain staying at home. Um, when you begin to see the faith, the joy, the peace, the love in the hearts of people that are existing on a fraction of what you exist on every day, you, you, you have a different perspective uh, that will deepen your faith like nothing else. So uh, it's, it's, it's been challenging the last couple of years because of COVID, but as things begin to hopefully normalize, not only here, I, we were talking this morning about it's not getting back to normal in some parts of the world, it's actually getting worse. But hopefully over the next year or two, we'll be able to get back into taking teams out uh, to different places. And, and I would encourage you guys, as those opportunities do arise, if you've never done that, to do that. Because it really does changes your perspective on life. Uh, it, it's one of the things that, for me, has shaped my faith, being able to be in those environments. And that's one of the reasons. Uh, it's, it's, I'll just acknowledge, it's selfish. My love for missions is selfish. It's really about what God does in me every bit as much as what it is about God doing in others. Um, so he continues in verse 4. Uh, go ahead, one more for me. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. Um, the word obscenity here is in reference to our speech. It's about how we talk. So again, Paul is covered in this passage actions, immoral actions, immoral thinking, and now immoral speech. Uh, so, so what obscenity is, is literally to shame or degrade another person with language. Oh my gosh. He's not pulling any punches today, is he? Um, it's so easy for us to do that. Uh, he's talking about things like body shaming people, degrading someone for the way that they look. Uh, and he's just saying there's no room for that. That that person is my creation, my beautiful child every bit as much as you and or anybody else. So don't do it. Um, he's, it's, it's also talking crudely about somebody. And I suppose that you know, the stereotypical image would be the guys on the street corner watching girls go by and making comments about them or those kind of things. It's, it's not speaking crudely uh, about other people. All three of these words, so again, Paul's covered our actions and our thoughts. All three of these words are in regard to our speech. And I think that, uh, so, so first of all, I want to say this. Interpretation is really, really important as we study Scripture, okay? We, we all know that. Um, so, here's my, my side note. While our speech, the things we say, is very, very, are, are very, very important. Very important. Um, and and this, is a, this is an exhortation regarding certain things we should avoid saying. What it does not mean is this. It does not mean that we can never joke or be silly or laugh, for which I'm very thankful, because I like to joke around, and I like to be silly, and I like to laugh. And those things 
are okay, all right? Let me say, life is fun. It's supposed to be fun. If you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. And sometimes life is funny. Some things are just funny, and they are. And we, we said previously, anger uh, is, a, is God-given, right? Remember that? Well, let me say this. Humor is also God-given. Humor is a gift from God. And I'll, I'll just, <laughs> we have this little tradition in our family. Uh, Jordan's in the back with the kids today. But sometimes I'll just look up corny jokes. And I'll send Jordan a text with a corny joke asking her to come up with the answer. And sometimes she answers and sometimes she doesn't. But it's just a funny way for us. It's just fun. You know, I love really, really ridiculous corny jokes. Um, But here's the thing. The point of that is simply that it's okay to laugh and have fun. We we really need to do that. Laughter is good, and, and I, and I want to say this. This is another message for another day, but God is a happy God. I, God is a happy God. He's smiling. God loves to have a good time with you. And so don't, don't picture God as being stoic and stern all the time and realize that we don't need to be stoic or, and stern all the time either. Uh, Ecclesiastes, uh, you know, I love it. There's a time to mourn, which is certainly true, uh, and what? There's a time to laugh. There's a time to laugh. So, uh, you know what? Even Jesus joked around. Did you know that? He did. I have a whole book about the humor of Jesus. I can't find it right now. It's somewhere in a box. But uh, I'll tell you one little joke about one that Jesus made. This is legit. Don't laugh. Oh, you can laugh. <laughs> do, do laugh. Do laugh. Do laugh. Do that. Okay, do you remember the, remember when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he says, you strain out a gnat and you swallow a camel, right? Well, one, on a surface level, that's funny because obviously nobody can swallow a camel. But, but check this out. This This is the kind of stuff you only get right here. You're not going to hear this anywhere else, all right? We don't fully appreciate the pun because in Aramaic, the word camel is galma. The word gnat is galama. So what Jesus actually said is, you strain a gama and swallow a galama. It was a little play on words, an alliterative pun. He was a funny guy. You're not going to get that anywhere else. I guarantee. Thank you. What have I done? <laughs> Laughter is good. Laughter and humor are tremendous gifts of God to be enjoyed, and they are also healing. You know that old saying, laughter is the best medicine? I don't think laughter is actually the best medicine, but it's good. It really is healing. Uh, we should be filled with joy and, and, and allow ourselves to have a good time in Jesus. Um, so joking around is okay. It's the point of the text, actually. That was, <laughs> that's not the point of the text. 
The point of the text is that coarse joking is what's wrong. Amen. Amen, Margot. See, she gets it. Again, using coarse joking is that whole thing of using double entendre, saying something, making jokes that are at the expense of other people. See, that's why I look up corny jokes to send to my daughter, because they're not at the expense of another person. Um, he also talks about foolish talking. Foolish talking here. This is, this is interesting. The Greek word is morologia, or it's, it's, it's compounded from two words, moron and logia. It's moronic talk. And the word moron, I'll bet you didn't know this, actually means unaware or unobservant. And so it's actually saying things when you, that are inappropriate or possibly, uh, uh, you know, racial or whatever at the expense of someone else without really being aware that you're saying that. Now, for example, I'm going to make an example of a person today because it was broadcast everywhere, but you might have seen a few months ago, former trailblazer Myers Leonard was playing video games with some friends. And he himself was videoing and posted their, their gaming session. First of all, I will say this, uh, Myers <laughs> claims to be, he says he's a Christian. His language was filthy throughout. But at one point, he makes a racial slur directed at the video game, but he said it out loud, and he came under intense pushback for it, rightfully so, frankly cost him his NBA career. His career was over that day that he played that video game. When he was confronted, he said this, I don't know what that word means. Moronlogia. That's, that's the classic illustration of what that is. Point being, if you don't know what something means, don't say it. Look it up, okay? That's my little household hint for today. If you don't know what a word means, look it up, all right? Um, don't end your career. Uh, so again, uh, one more slide. He finishes the passage here. We'll, we'll end because it's late. Uh, for of this you can be sure, nor, no immoral, impure, greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God, Christ and God, of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Strong, strong exhortation. Uh, I think you guys get the picture. So I want to end there and ask the worship team to come back up. Come on. I, I didn't give you much time, did I? My bad. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Casket Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give. We'll see you next week.